Hey everyone, you're listening to the 10-7 podcast where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. My guest today is Thibaut Clement, the CEO and co-founder of Loomly, a brand success platform for marketing teams, essentially helping marketing teams manage their social media content publishing process. Thibaut has been a serial entrepreneur ever since he graduated in 2011 and has even published a book about it. Thibaut, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hi, Ivan. Thanks for having me. I see that you've, uh, you've done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of homework, not to be too creepy. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Uh, I got to say, I love Loomly. We're, we're big fans of the product. We went through so many different iterations of figuring out how to best manage our social media. We landed on Loomly and you guys have been awesome. So congrats on a great product from our perspective. Thank you so much for saying so. It, it really means the world. You know, we, we try to make something that, that's helpful and we try to adapt to what our beloved customers uh, tell us. And so it's, it's always a great pleasure to hear that, you know, uh, that you know, one of those customers, so y- your team in particular, is, is happy about it. Well, I'm sure we'll get into the uh, a little more into Loomly later in the show, but uh, it's it's just so nice to be able to have a vendor and a product where you feel like you're heard and you can talk to and that the support is is what it is, which which is wonderful. I know your startup is based in or your company is based in LA and in Europe. I think you're the first person on our show with a distinctly French accent. So, um I'd love to find out where you were born and where did you grow up? Yeah, that's 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 a good one. Yes, I I do have a French accent. I'm 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 native of France. Uh, you know, I was born in Orleans. So here in the US, you have New Orleans. I come from, you know, Old Orleans if you prefer. Um, and and you know, it's in the Loire Valley where you have all the beautiful castles. Mm. And yeah, I I studied in in Grenoble, which is in the French Alps, and I also studied in Canada in Ottawa where I got my MBA. So it kind of uh, 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 you know, broad experience. Grenoble's a wonderful part of the world. My son was there for an exchange program a couple of years ago, and I've always wanted to go there to ski. It's basically a skier's paradise. It's in the foothills of the Alps, isn't it? It is absolutely. So it's 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 really cool because you know it's uh, some consider it like the Silicon Valley of of France, not necessarily. For the, the great number of startups, but for the actual, uh, you know, great advancement of ne- technology, it was like you know, uh, you know, microchips and and this kind of things. Was there is actually a lot of innovation. So it's a very interesting city, uh, fast growing. And yes, it turns out it's it's uh, just you know in the French Alps, and you have some uh, pretty amazing uh, ski resorts. And did you study business there before you went to Ottawa? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, uh, I was majoring in, in marketing. Uh, I was a master in science, uh, you know, of marketing. And uh, that's that's basically, you know, what I studied. And actually, I went to Ottawa through uh, Grenoble, through my, my business school, so Grenoble Ecole de Management. And kind of like your your, your son, actually, I my um, experience in Canada, in, in Ottawa, was an exchange program, allowing me to spend a year over there and actually get uh, a double degree or a dual degree. So it's, it's really cool. And that's how I ended up with my MBA. 
And did you go backwards and forwards between France and Canada, or did you end up staying in Canada after um, that that work you did? No, it was it was actually a full year uh, in Canada. I went there from August uh, 2010 to August 2011. Is is that where you met your spouse and your co-founder? No, actually, I I met Noemi right before that. So Noemi is my is my spouse now, um, and and we you know we met uh, before that in France. We were both uh, interns at L'Oréal, uh, you know the the giant cosmetic company. The giant, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's how we met, and you know we. We we hadn't met for a long time, but then you know we decided to go together to Canada, and and you know pretty much ever since everything we've we've done we've done together. So it's it's a pretty big part of the story. And the, as you said, there's a big there's a big part of a story of how a startup is founded. And my understanding is that um, you, and at least this has been my experience, is that usually a good company that evolves and has an amazing product comes from the founder who was really trying to just, you know, scratch their own itch. They were trying to solve a problem that they had themselves. And I, my understanding is that's partially what happened to you. You, you were, you had another company before Loomly. Um, what were you doing before you started it? How did, how did that happen? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly, you know, uh, what happened to us. And, and what's funny is that it's actually a you know a multiple folds sort of story if you want because so we were in Canada uh, in Ottawa you may know that but Ottawa is where uh, Shopify is headquartered uh, that's when we you know we met them uh, we were extremely lucky to to meet with Harley Finkelstein who is now president of Shopify by then you know when we met them it was uh, a team of forty persons so it's you know uh, they've come a long long way and and seen a tremendous success but so. Wow. Of course, you know we met we, we met them. Like I, I I met with Harley because he was uh, he had just graduated from the same MBA as I did, or as I was mm. doing. So you know it created a connection, and he he was already you know he was so inspiring and so energetic that he you know he he inspired me a lot, and that's when I decided that rather than you know like uh, starting right off and 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 you know like getting a job, I would take a year off um, and I would go around the world to basically study e-commerce. Uh, the reasoning is I had learned so much by being for a year in Canada compared to France just because of, you know, the cultural differences uh, that, you know, it was already so inspiring. And before that, I had spent, you know, a couple of months in Dubai and it had also been so inspiring that I figured that, you know, I would learn really a lot by going to different countries. So Noemi and I, we kind of designed this, uh, I would say, you know, one year trip around the world where we would spend a month in each city that we would visit. And then, you know, uh, I was doing interviews of entrepreneurs, mainly in the tech industry, focusing in, in on e-commerce. And this taught us a lot about, you know, like what people were actually doing and, and, and how they were growing brands online and how they were uh, starting businesses and, and growing those businesses. And after a couple of, you know, months on the road, we, did, we, we figured that we would, the, the way that we would learn the most would be by doing um, mm -hmm. so that, you know, we would be able to apply whatever we were learning on, on, on the road. Um, and so we started our own e-commerce business. Uh, it was a 
pretty crazy idea. It was just uh, you know a candy subscription business, and so we would buy candy wherever we would go, and then we would ship them across the world. And uh, just you know, kind of for for the story, for for the fact, I, I I like to joke about the fact that we actually bootstrapped this business with minus two hundred dollars on our bank account. Uh, so it's just not even that we didn't have much money or no, it's just, we didn't have any. And, and so the way we kind of bootstrapped it was, uh, because we were able to kind of accept pre-orders, uh, for the candy. Then with that money, we would buy the candy, buy, you know, the envelopes and everything. And then we would ship, um, the candy so so it's you know uh it's it's it was a very very interesting learning experience uh i'm trying to you know get to your point but that's kind of the whole story no of course of course i love hearing <laughs> okay cool what, what was the name of the candy business it was named candy discovery so like candy and discovery all of you know uh, kind of portmanteau if you want is it was it a subscription service it was or? yes it was uh <sighs> I thought I saw something about a subscription candy service from Japan that went viral a number of years ago. This was a long time. Was it that one? That was not you, was but, it? But uh, what was the name? I think it was Candy Japan or something like that. I, I think that's what it was. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we started this business. Then, you know, uh, it gets some traction, uh, especially in France where we end up having some, uh, you know, uh, exposure in the media uh including on national tv and stuff um and so you know we we grow it and then within 18 months uh we find ourselves in the position of selling it uh because there was you know this uh this other couple of entrepreneurs who had a different uh business a different e-commerce business that was very complementary and so they were interested in, in acquiring it so that that business that you know we had bootstrapped with minus two hundred dollars that we ended up you know selling it eighteen months later, um, and that's basically how we started our next business, which was essentially an advertising agency. Because what happened is, as you know, we got a lot of exposure through the e-commerce business. Then you know we started having people around us uh, saying, "Hey, how did you do it? And can you help me do it?" And so. It turns out that, you know, Noemi and I, we had pretty uh, complementary skills. Noemi was, you know, and still is, um, very, very skilled with social media and and everything analytics. And, uh, you know, I was specializing in e-commerce and in content marketing. And so we started our agency and then, you know, like that's, that's, you know, Another pretty crazy thing that happened to us is that uh, we got a chance to come to the U.S. Uh, because we were picked uh, in the diversity lottery for a green card. Oh. Yeah, pretty insane. That's, that's <laughs> insane. What year was that? It was um, 2013, I guess. Okay. So we right. find ourselves in this uh, pretty amazing situation. It's just we have to make a choice, but it's it's amazing. And so we're like, okay, we're just starting our business. We got a green car. Like, what do we do? Um, so we said, look, uh, we will never, you know, we, we can always start another business, but we will never get another green card. So mm-hmm. let's go to the U.S. We go to the U.S. and, uh, you know, Fortunately, all our clients from the agency uh, stuck with us until the end, which was uh, 
2018 when we just uh, closed down shop to, to focus on Loomly. Uh, and then we moved to the U.S., we spent a year in San Diego, then we moved to, uh, to Los Angeles, and then we basically, you know, start having kind of same... Uh, experience where, uh, you know, because we have this knowledge and we have an agency running in France, then, you know, we have people in the U.S. asking, hey, can you help me? Uh, you have to remember that was uh, five or six years ago. So, uh, you know, digital marketing was just not where it is now. And um, so basically we opened up an agency here in the U.S. Uh, and we did the same thing. And, and in France, we were extremely lucky to be able to work with L'Oreal, which is, you know, uh, which was our biggest client, of course. We were managing five brands for them online. And here we work with, with many startups. And now I get to your point. <laughs> so essentially, we have this process where, uh, you know, we have to manage editorial calendars for our clients. So... You can think of that as spreadsheets uh, with lists of pieces of content that are supposed to be published on social media and blogs and and and, and through press releases and, and things like that. And all of that happens inside Excel, which is terrific with numbers, but definitely not meant for uh, media, text, or collaboration. And so we start looking online, you know, you know, to, to kind of find a tool to streamline the process. And we can find only two types of, of tools. The first one is generic project management software, which is great you know, for collaboration, but it doesn't really cover our entire content publishing workflow. Uh, and on the other end, we, we, we find you know, um, social media schedulers, which are great to publish the content, but do not really cover the collaboration part. So, uh, we are like, you know, what are we going to do? And then I'm not an engineer. as uh, Like I said, I, I studied business. But, you know, I learned uh, programming on my own. Uh, and I started building a prototype that was 2015. By the end of the year, we, we had the prototype up and running. We start using it with our clients. And, you know, we don't tell them it's our own product because we want some honest feedback and, and, and not just a, a gentle pat in the back. Mm -hmm. And so... They like it uh, to a point that one of our clients says, guys, if we have to go back to Excel after using that platform, you are fired. And so we're <laughs> like, okay, okay, maybe we are onto something. Then we open up the platform in, in public beta, uh, you know, two months later. And then we, we, we start getting some great feedback and, and we start, you know, improving the platform. And, and then, you know, the rest is, is kind of a, a crazy entrepreneurship story where, where today, you know, we are uh, pretty close to $4 million in annual recurring revenue and uh, almost 7,000 clients around the world uh, growing about 100% per year. So uh, we wow. we feel really, really fortunate in, in, in this adventure. So I hope I answered your, your, your question. It was a very long answer, but that's... that's You did. It's always fascinating to hear the origin story of a company. So are, are you literally located in Los Angeles like right now? That's where your um, company is based? Loomly has been a, a distributed team and, and a remote company 100% since day one. Uh, we never had an office, even when we were not in these uh, crazy times. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have team members in, in San Francisco, San Diego, Denver, Portugal, uh, and even Montreal. Um, and so up until about, you know, uh, a month ago, Noemi and I were based in Los Angeles. 
Uh, and then we actually recently relocated to uh, Texas, uh, and it's it's uh, just for you know just a crazy uh, story where we we kind of you know got uh, one of the things that are specific to LA or that are part of the life in LA, which is a uh, um, an earthquake and, and and you know it just uh, woke us up at, at four a.m. Mm-hmm. on on Noemi's birthday, so we kind of got scared you know it was already a stressful year and we, and we decided to to kind of you know try to get some rest uh we love la we miss la but you know we we try to uh do what was best for us that's that's really interesting um I, you may know that 107 is a fully distributed company as well and we have members all over the us and I think it's the best way to run a company, at least in this industry, at least in this space. It's been wonderful having the kind of flexibility to be able to, you know, work when you need to work and have team members that you can trust that you can just, you know, have go do their work and collaborate online. And so tools like Loomly and Slack and all these other things really become very important in in running your business when it's as distributed as it is. And, and if I can ask, like you know, uh, because you know today it's 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 all it's almost become the the, the norm to to be distributed. Mm-hmm. But you know, back in the days, like you know, we had like lots of questions uh, to say the least uh, about you know like the viability and the scalability and and you know how we could make it work. So I'm I'm curious, like did did you uh, did you run into this kind of uh, you know uh, questions and and friction and resistance uh, around you in the early days? Yes, and in fact, I was the one that provided the most amount of friction and resistance, <laughs> to, to be honest. Our story is that we were and always um, planned to be a local company in Minneapolis that hired local talent and that worked in the same office space so that we could learn from each other. That, that was the idea. You collaborate by being together and by um, building a culture like that. And in 2016 and then in 2017, we kind of went through a change where it felt like the industry and the tool set that we had at that point was um, ready to kind of actually take the leap to become a distributed company. And I think in answer to your question, I think that I was most resistant because I didn't want the good culture and the good atmosphere that we had to change. I didn't want to lose that. And so we made a we made a, a transition to being distributed over the course of about six months where we spent one day a week, then two days a week, then three days a week at home and other days in the office. And then finally, we were like, you know what? It, it doesn't make sense to be in the office anymore. Let's just do this online. And, um, you know, my thought was very different, at, you know, after that six to then 12 month period. So it's, um, it's been amazing. I, I like, it's been hard to find the right tools, though. Um, and, and that's kind of why I wanted to go back to talking about Loomly. It sounds like you designed Loomly to be the thing that the other competitors were bolting on as a feature. So the collaborative part and the social media publishing part, the editorial calendar and being able to work around the editorial calendar, it it must be hard to see all of the competitors out there like Buffer and Hootsuite and jump into this market and make the product that you have as successful as you as you have. 
Um, well, first, thanks, thanks for sharing your story about about remote work. It's super interesting, and 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 yes, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. Actually, the market has evolved in the past few years. The market that we are in, and in the fun fact is that in the very early days of Loomly, we were actually integrated with Buffer, because we did not oh. even see ourselves as competitors. We were seeing ourselves as the collaboration brick oh. that was missing. And so the first prototype that I built for Loomly, um, it was pretty simple. It was, it was a basic CRUD application. You could you know, upload images and copies. Uh, you could just, you know, it would kind of create a mockup for you to preview your post. And then you could assign it to a collaborator who was able to approve it. And then, you know, uh, just leave some comments around it. So that, you know, as a team, you were able to collaborate around the content. At that time, there was no asset management like there is now with library. There was no, uh, you know, native publishing that was done through Buffer, which was crazy. Uh, and there was no analytics or even interactions like, like we have today. It was basically, you know, a collaboration app. And, and that's, that is still our main differentiator. And I think it's, it's still part of, you know, the war effect when, when you know, uh, users kind of, you know, start using the product. And they are, they, they've known, you know, they've used Buffer and Hootsuite. We, we, you know, we, we are aware of that. But then, you know, they come to our to our place and, and it's kind of like WordPress, you know, it's, it's almost a content management system where you can build, you know, your, um, your content and you can see it at the same time. It's a, what you see is what you get thing. Um, not just like a, a simple text field with a, an upload button. It's, it's, it's basically, you know, uh, a tool that helps you create the content. And so that's, you know, how we started and that, that's what we have capitalized uh, upon because nowadays, you know, although we have some overlapping features with Hootsuite and Buffer and many others in the field, um, basically, you know, we see ourselves as, as the collaborative platform for marketing teams. And an analogy that we like to make is that developers, you know, or developer engineering team, they collaborate with GitHub uh, product teams and, and design teams, they collaborate with InVision, and marketing teams, they can collaborate with Loomly. That's really how we see ourselves. You know, I love it. We were actually um, Buffer users before we were Loomly users with uh, an in-between step of a company I can't even remember the name of, but that did not work out well for us. And I, I think the fact that you can comment on and collaborate on a post and go through an approval process. This really is the differentiating factor and it's definitely something our marketing team really appreciates and loves. It's almost as if posting to a social media channel is secondary. It's almost as if that's like an expected thing yeah. that should that this platform should just do. Yes, it's it's a commodity on the market. Uh, you know, now there are even some social networks that just you know allow you to do it. So uh, we think it's not. We from day one, we thought that you know saving you know a couple of minutes by you know automating the scheduling was probably you know not the biggest pain point. The biggest pain point was how do you come up with ideas? Because when you are in front of your empty spreadsheet and you have to come up with 20 ideas for your social media for the upcoming months, uh, it can be intimidating. So we built um, you know, 
post ideas into Loomly so that, you know, based on Twitter trending topics or some RSS feeds that you are subscribed to or the day of the week or the day of the year that, you know, we can give you some ideas so that you don't have to start from scratch. So that was pain point number one. Pain point number two is how do you actually, you know, uh, create a post and how are you able to see what it's going to look like? So for that, we built integrations with Unsplash and Jiffy so that, you know, if you are looking for an image because you don't have one, you can basically just, you know, uh, search for it from Loomly and import it mm -hmm. for free. And we built, you know, the around post builder, this, this uh, generator of mockups that show you in real time what your post is going to look like on its social media. And, and so that makes just, you know, just makes the whole creative and, and production experience much easier. Uh, we built in some uh, post optimization tips, but then most importantly, we built that framework to allow you to share every piece of content with your team before you know it goes live. Because that was the main pain point. It's it's kind of you know the bottleneck in the production and publishing cycle, where you know even if by some miracle you are very effective in in creating twenty posts per month or thirty posts or forty posts per month then you know somehow most of the time you need the approval from someone if you are a freelancer or an agency you may need the approval from the client if you are working in-house you may need the approval from your boss and the thing is this can be stressful because you know there may be multiple versions of the file or you know it's, it can get lost in the email and maybe you know your boss doesn't really or your client doesn't really see what the post is going to look like and it's hard for them to understand why the copy is so short on Twitter and why there are such hashtags on Instagram or these kind of things. With Loomly it makes it incredibly easy to do that because you actually see you don't have to guess and we actually have some very large clients who work in the in the luxury product industry and, and, and you know they are publicly traded companies and for them, it's not only the CMO that needs to review the content, it's also the CFO, uh, you know, and, and the persons from HR, uh, because, and, and the person from legal, because basically any post that is put out there is potentially a liability for the company mm -hmm. and can impact the stock price. So mm -hmm. when you have this type of persons that you need to get approval from, you want to make it as easy as possible to get it. And... There is nothing easier than, you know, bringing an iPad to a CFO and saying, here is what the post is going to look like. Do you like it or not? If you look like, please press this button. It's much easier than saying, hey, we're going to use this image with that text. Uh, it's going to be published on that day. Do you agree? And then they have no clue what they're approving. I spend most of my time in Loomly approving posts that are ready for uh, before they go out for social media. That's because you're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's that's exactly true. But be, I just wanted to comment that I know exactly how those folk are feeling. And having that pending um, confirmation, I can't remember what it's called, but it says pending. Pending approval, and yeah. All I do, pending approval, that's right. You just click on it and you see the list and you go to each one and you see exactly what it's going to look like and you hit schedule and you're done. Like it, it's completely reduced the amount of time I have to spend in the spreadsheet, in buffer, in um, in any kind of discussion about what what the posts are going to be. 
I trust my my staff. I trust the marketing team. They they come up with what they need to come up with, and and we use Loomly. It's 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 been wonderful. I I saw that you are looking for an uh, AI engineer, and I think I saw that on your LinkedIn profile. Maybe what are you planning with artificial intelligence and Loomly? Tell me about that. Plan. <laughs> um, yeah, this this uh, actually, you know, it, it's good that you tell me that because it reminds me that I need to update my profile. Um, <laughs> this this uh, this is kind of a like a previous project that we had, and we decided to discontinue it. Not unfortunately, because it's just we realized it was not necessarily what we should be doing. We had an idea to just. Uh, basically be, be even more assistive in, in what we do uh, with the content creation, but it turns out that there were some challenges on, on the product side that, uh, and also on the legal side that you know, were not uh, where we wanted to go. So uh, we kind of, you know, uh, kind of moved away from that, but, uh, but yeah, we are still uh, you know, uh, building new things and, and we actually have exciting features coming up. Uh, one, I guess, you're going to love and your team is going to love. Um, it's called Custom Workflow. And, and it's, it's all related to what we were discussing. It's, it's all about um, improving the way the collaboration is happening. And so, like, very quickly in a nutshell, you will have the ability to define triggers and to define quads. Triggers will be, mm -hmm. you know, uh, rules that basically say every time this post enters this state. So let's say every time a post becomes pending approval, then please auto-assign it to Ivan so that, you know, mm. your team doesn't even have to do it. So that's number one. And number two is guards. So guards is going to be kind of a, a next level um, layer of safety and security for your approval process because it's going to say uh, a post isn't really approved unless even and and you know maybe another person has approved it. If it's only one person, then it's not really approved. It's still pending approval, but we need those two persons to approve it. Uh, this is just you know it's it's not for everyone. It's more for teams with an advanced um, you know workflow and, and different levels of, of management. But uh, this is ready. Uh, we are testing it, uh, and and it's going to be available soon for everyone. That's wonderful. So that addresses the use case you just mentioned where maybe there's a CMO and a CFO and maybe legal needs to approve it before it goes out. Yes. So you can route it between those three and only if those three people approve it, then does it get approved. Exactly, yes. And you can, again, you can think of it as kind of the same thing that happens in GitHub when you have to approve a pull request and you mm -hmm. require uh, or you request um, you know, approval from three different persons. Technically, the pull request is not approved until those three persons have approved it. Have you seen any change in business, any change in the market um, since the pandemic start, started? How, how has that affected um, Loomly? Yes, uh, we have seen a lot of changes. Uh, and I don't want to jinx it, so I'm just going to knock on wood. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so far there are, there are kind of two trends uh, that, you know, we are observing at, at the microeconomic level that are kind of, you know, uh, helping Loomly in a way or, or, or that make Loomly even more relevant. Uh, the first one is that, you know, uh, many small businesses uh, have shifted online 
and you know they have started establishing their presence uh, with, for instance, an online store. I'm, I'm sure you are pretty familiar with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so you know, once they have their website up and running, it can be with um, you know uh, like an, an online SaaS solution, like our friends from Shopify, since we were uh, mentioning them, or maybe you know mm -hmm. they have a great team helping them putting together like a website. And so you know the, the very next thing that they need to do once they have a website is promote it. And so then they usually turn to social media. And then, you know, it, it can be a bit overwhelming with so many options and so many things to understand. And so that's usually where, you know, Loomly comes in because, you know, it, it kind of helps you and makes, makes the process easier for you to um, keep, you know, producing great content. So I would say that's the number one trend. It's basically, you know, the, um, the fact that there is a, like a major shift to online mm. business. The second trend is that, uh, you know, so many teams have shifted from, you know, on-site collaboration to online collaboration. And so, so many of the processes that were happening in the office, in the meeting room, uh, you know, now needs to happen uh, online, on Zoom, in the email, on Slack. And so, that's where, you know, Loomly with the collaboration layer is, is coming in. And so that's kind of the second trend that, that we are seeing. And, and in a way, you know, we could sum this all up uh, as with just one trend. It's basically digital transformation. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We are trying to help marketing teams uh, with digital transformation for their specific processes. Is, is that the mission of Loomly, to aid digital transformation? Um, it's, it's, it's how, you know, we are... Uh, trying to achieve our vision. Our vision is basically to help every single marketing team in the world, wherever they are, how small or large they are, regardless of the, their industry, to build a successful brand online. Uh, and we think that, you know, that kind of goes through uh, digital transformation. One final question. What does the name Loomly mean? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So, I was explaining earlier that, you know, what we are trying to do is we are trying to solve the pain point of content production of, you know, you going from, you know, like, like a blank, a blank canvas and, 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 or canvas and then having to create 20, 20 posts for, for Facebook for the next month. And so that's, that's really, you know, the pain point that we are trying to solve, like how we help you grow from zero to actual posts published on your account uh, in a repeatable manner. And so a loom in English is basically, you know, uh, this kind of, of tool that you use uh, when you're trying to weave fabric. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of, you know, this kind of tool, this kind of framework that helps you uh, kind of create fabric faster. And that's, that's how we see Loomly. We see it as this framework, this template, this tool that makes the creation um, of your content faster and easier and, and, and more efficient. And, and, you know, kind of this is a, kind of the joke where uh, we also have a URL shortener, which is loom.ly, where, you know, we basically uh, shorten your links. So that, you know, that was working pretty well. Well, thank you so much for explaining that and for spending the time with me today. It's been wonderful learning about you and your history and and the um, the building and the origin of, of Loomly. I, I wish you great luck, and I'm sure you're going to grow even further. Join us again on the podcast, please. We'd love to hear from you again soon.
Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for your kind words uh, about Lumi and for, for trusting us. It's, it's, it really means uh, the world to my entire team. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, thanks again for having me on the podcast, and I wish you also uh, the best uh, at 107. Thibaut Clement, the CEO and co-founder of Loomly, a brand success platform for marketing teams, joined me today. You can find them online at loomly.com. And of course, their URL shortener is loom.ly. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegic. Thanks for listening.